Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health. Which really means I just love talking about science. News and Peace, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. you we've we've talked uh like it was what like yesterday no it wasn't yesterday but we've we've talked recently that is a thing that we've done i know it's like uh this is one of those um those like fun things about it's like it was the opposite of last week last week we had recorded early and then recorded late and then now we're recording early and it's like the short time period in between chatting yes well I will say that you are a bit punchy about this week's topic. So mm-hmm. I don't know I if am. that has something to do with the earlier late or maybe. Who maybe knows it's because I'm really excited. So I'm not excited. Uh, so the um, one of the things that I love about our format, and I've mentioned this before, whenever there's been something really topical pop up in the media, is that we have a shorter time frame between when we record and when our podcast episodes go live than most other podcasts out there. And that allows us to tackle um, sort of current events on this podcast in a way that other podcasts don't get to do. And um, some uh, media, can I say poo storm? Can I say that? You can say that. I mean, you can say frenzy of negativity. of, yes. Um, amazing collection of bad. Uh, there's been a huge surge in media attacks on the paleo diet in the last couple of days. Um, it started in Australia, but the stories have now been picked up globally. And um, they were brought to my attention this morning, and I got really worked up and angry, <laughs> and very, very emotional about. Um, not just the responses, not just the the articles themselves, but also the responses to the articles that I'm seeing from the paleo community so far. And I um, asked you if you thought you would be amenable to tackling this topic on um, this week's podcast. I, I think we can talk about this current uh, the current media and how it's misrepresenting a scientific article and where that all came from. Um, but I think that there's a broader conversation to have here too, about how paleo tends to be very, um, very attacked in the media and very uh, typically very misrepresented. So it's very common, I think for us to see critiques of the paleo diet that simultaneously completely misrepresent what the paleo diet 
even is. Um, and that's certainly something that uh, we're seeing in this situation. But uh, yeah, I, um, I, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was angry. I, I hulked out a little bit is what I'm saying. Just a little bit. It was a little bit green, green tinge, just tiny bit. Well, I think it'll certainly be fascinating that oftentimes this stuff kind of um, gets more interesting or fizzles down, you know, after these things are released. And so I I have some questions about some of the things that uh, the article, the study or whatever. Um, so I will be kind of curious to see... Um, what the long-term buzz is, you know what I mean? In terms of, I don't know, for me as a person, even as a third party from this particular study that we're going to talk about and the resulting media that are, that is coming out from it. I mean, when I looked at the kind of like summary of the medical study and I'm using kind of quotation marks when I say this because the subjective recommendations from the main research person who was like giving media interviews afterwards, even if it had been positive for paleo findings, I would have questioned um, how someone could make those kind of statements and be so subjective. So are you ready to just kind of jump in? And I'm going to tell you as a completely layman's person who has not read your rebuttal, which I thought would be kind of interesting and I intentionally did not do because I wanted to be able to ask you questions. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so, okay. So here's, are you ready to jump into that? Yeah, let's jump into it. Okay. Um, so the, the first article that I saw was, um, from a British journal, and the title was The Paleo Diet is Dangerous and Increases Weight Gain, Diabetes Expert Claims. And then I started to, I was like, oh, I want to find the original art. Like, what is the article? Like, I want, like for me, it's always, I always go back to the science. So what does the science say? And um, as is very, very common for mainstream media, there's never any link to the original research. So then I had to find through the research. And as I was trying to find it, I hit on other um Media sources articles, paleo diet leads to rapid weight gain, possible diabetes symptom study says new research proves eating a paleo diet for just eight weeks can lead to rapid weight gain. Paleo diet touted as better for diabetes could cause rapid weight gain research finds. Um, popular caveman paleo diet is labeled as dangerous by health experts. Um, paleo diet could make you gain weight. New scientific research shows. Right. So this is like this collection of very sensational article titles, which then lambasted the paleo diet because of this new study published in one of the um, nature collection of journals, a journal called Nutrition and Diabetes. So I eventually found the original press release and found the original article. And the title of the article is A Low-Carbohydrate, High-Fat Diet Increases Weight Gain and Does Not Improve Glucose Tolerance, Insulin Secretion, or Beta Cell Mass in NZO Mice. Oh, did you see that Americanism right there? Did you see that? I didn't say NZO. It just I, happened. Oh, I didn't even realize didn't that, even that, was realize that, it. that you would have said Zed otherwise. Look at right? you. Happening. All right. That was a total aside. So they're called New, New Zealand Obese Mice. And New Zealand obese mice are a strain of mice that was developed in the last 10 years for studies of diabetes. And what's um, special about them is that they develop obesity um, 
insulin resistance um, and diabetes even on normal chow. So other models, uh, animal models of uh, obesity or diabetes, um, the animals have a susceptibility, but they don't develop diabetes or obesity until they're fed a high fat chow. So this is uh, a highly susceptible mouse um, and a very established model for studying diabetes and obesity. And uh, so what the study did is they put animals on regular chow on this low carb, high fat chow, and they looked at very rigorously looked at um, markers of um, basically sort of metabolic syndrome stuff. So they looked at blood lipids, they looked at body weight, they looked at body composition, they looked at uh, insulin, glucose, and they looked at um, uh, markers of pancreatic health between these two groups of, of mice. And um, what the study actually showed was that this low-carb, high-fat diet while it did cause some improvement in blood lipid markers, pretty dramatically increased weight gain, pretty dramatically increased uh, body fat, um, increased uh, fasting and um, fed insulin levels, increased fasted glucose levels, and had no benefit to pancreatic function. And so the you know study authors in this paper conclude this is. Uh, this is this is their like conclusions in their abstract. A low carbohydrate, high fat diet is unlikely to be of benefit for preventing the decline of beta cell function associated with the progression of hyperglycemia in type two diabetics. And in their discussion, they talk about you know these these fad low carbohydrate, high fat diets being recommended for pre diabetics to prevent the um, development of full blown diabetes, and that this is not supported by scientific literature. So I read that. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a very interesting paper. I too am not a supporter of ketogenic diets. <laughs> right? That's that's what I read out of this paper. So what's really interesting is that the original press release, um, rather than calling this a ketogenic diet, the word ketogenic diet is never used in the paper. The word paleo is never used in the paper. Um, but what they did in their in the universe was done at the University of Melbourne. What the original press release did was it quoted the senior author of the study, which is pretty typical, right? He's he's the guy who got the funding to do this. Um, and they then in the press release likened this diet to paleo, specifically calling out paleo celebrities such as Chef Pete Evans uh, for promoting a fad diet that has no basis in scientific literature. Um, and so this is where I start to get worked up because this paper in no way, no way evaluates the merits of a paleo diet. And I'm going to read you the ingredients. You're ready for this? This is going to be fun. Well, you're cutting. You're like, literally, I've got you queued up. I've got all these questions in order to like help you lay this out. And you're just and I'm just dumping I'm just, it. I, and I'm like, hey, I've been I'm over thinking here. about it all day. I know. Okay. So before, before you get into the nitty gritty of this stuff, I want to tell you as a layman reading this synopsis, because I did not read the entire medical study, right? But in reading even... Because you knew I did and I right, had it covered. Yeah. And that's what I'm here for is to ask you these leading questions. But in this case, you don't even need me for that. Um, <laughs> but it, I have been, I have been, I did say Hulk out, right? Right. Yeah. I've been kind of, I've been kind of uh, ruminating Okay, so I want to read the quotation, um, the full quotation about celebrity chefs because this yes, is the please. part. This is the part that I started to read the article and realized, like, 
this is shady. This is this is not like what I would expect from a synopsis from a medical scientific study. This is not this is subjective language and these are the kinds of things that raise red flags with me in either direction, right? So he says, mass media hype around these diets, particularly driven by celebrity chefs, celebrity weight loss stories in the tabloid media and reality TV shows, are leading to more people trying fad diets backed by little evidence. In people with prediabetes or diabetes, the low-carb, high-fat diet could be particularly risky, he said. And I quote, Low-carbohydrate, high-fat diets are becoming more popular, but there is no scientific evidence that these diets work. In fact, if you put an inactive individual on this type of diet, the chances are that person will gain weight. Um, And this is president of the Australian Diabetes Society. So I read that and I said, okay, well, I know for a fact that there is evidence that these diets work because I have seen um, an insane amount of references in your book and other paleo books. I also know that um, equating medical science and the success of diets to popular culture, celebrities, and weight loss stories in the tabloid and reality TV shows is not looking at things from a scientific perspective, right? And so the only thing here that's linked to actual, you know, medical or science research is the statement that says there is no scientific evidence that these diets work. And so I look at that and as a reader, I'm like, well, I'm just going to discredit everything else in this article because that's an infactual statement. Well, so let's take a step back because um, so this is the senior author of the paper. So the senior author of this paper is the president of the Australian, Australian Diabetes Society. And the story goes that he was trying to validate this diet rather than not validate it. And the study is actually a very rigorously designed study. It's a very well-designed study. Um, But it's a study of low-carb, high-fat diets. And it's true that low-carb, high-fat diets for diabetes management have not been validated in the scientific literature. So we know that ketogenic diets actually do things like increase fasting blood glucose and increase insulin. And that's actually been seen in other studies. So his statement that low-carb, high-fat diets uh, are becoming popular, if you say specifically for diabetes management, which is what the topic of this paper is, I think that that's a fairly fair statement to make. Where I think that he makes a jump is in another quote from the exact same article, um, which is farther down, which is, um, let me just find it. Uh, We are told to eat zero carbs and lots of fat on the paleo diet. Ah, yes, that was was (laughs) another gem. Our model tried to mimic that. But we didn't see any improvements in weight or symptoms. In fact, they got worse. The bottom line is it's not good to eat too much fat. Wait, and- wait for it. Because here's my next question, which is help me with the math on this. <laughs> right? So I'll let you I'll let you finish. But I'm already there with you because that's my second question. So this was the diet that they actually studied. Um, it was uh, 81% calories from fat. calories from protein and 6% calories from carbohydrate, 
which is um, higher fat intake than the Inuit. So like, even if you're like, I'm going to mimic the most extreme macronutrient ratio found in hunter-gatherer societies, like even the Inuit don't get that high of a percent of their calories from fat. They get quite a lot more protein and they get more carbohydrates than that because they go so out of their way to get wild edibles. So... Um, not to mention that a lot of their animal sources are very, very rich in uh, glycogen. So, like, they get a lot of, like, whale blubber. It's actually really, really high in glycogen, which is a carbohydrate. So, it's, like, not doesn't even represent what Inuit eat, but it is to a T exactly the uh, suggestions for following a ketogenic diet. But so here's the thing. Um, we can reference back to um, our previous episode where I – expressed my deep concerns about the, the health effects of a and safety of a ketogenic diet. We can reference my paleo effects talk last year. We can reference my um, thoroughly cited blog post about the adverse reactions to ketogenic diets. Um, like it's, we've talked about this on the show before. And in fact, we've talked about it relatively recently, not even 80% fat, but I was talking about even having concerns about 60% fat intake as being, um, you know, scientific research shows that 6% fat intake is about the cusp for really negative impacts on the gut microbiome, for example. And that's something that I feel very strongly needs to be top priority when it comes to diet choices. So A, ketogenic diet does not equal paleo diet. There are certainly people within our community that choose to combine both of those dietary approaches. But even they would never tell you that they would say, I'm following a ketogenic paleo diet, right? They would never just label it just paleo, right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a separate thing that combines two things. It's a, it's a much more, I don't know, it's an adaptation. And I think it's more an adaptation of ketogenic diet than it is adaptation of paleo diet. I think it's, I'm following a ketogenic diet with paleo foods rather than the other way around. And so then this is, this is just... Oh, I was like, I want to see the ingredients of this low carb, high fat chow Wait, that we're calling we, paleo. Before yeah. we talk about quality, which was my third question. Mm -hmm. So in the summation of the articles, they said that, or at least what I believe that I read, was that the mice previously were on a 60% carbohydrate diet. Yeah, they and compare it to a, a standard chow diet, which is... 70% carbohydrate, mostly starches, 20% protein, and 10% fat. But then they said that they only took their protein down by 20%. So you're, I mean, their carbohydrate down by 20%. So if you're telling me they were at 6% carbohydrate, that math doesn't work, which is why my question was like, help me with this math. I don't, I can't make heads or tails of what the summary is saying, the changes in the carbohydrate um, and fat were, which by the way, they never reference protein, um, because it was like, well, how does that, ma I mean, like, how does that math work? I so can't. I think what they meant was their carbs reduced to 20% of what they were eating. So that mm. basically they're saying that six divided by 70 equals 20, which I Okay. That's 10. Yeah, yeah that's like it's not like really 10%. 20 at all. Yeah, it's less than 10%. Um, but I think that's what they were trying to say. So I think really they just got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just 
just yeah that math doesn't work um no no not not if you look at you know what was so it's interesting here's here's a difference so the paper is peer-reviewed right it's published in a reputable scientific journal um other you know it's pretty typical for between three and five scientists who don't have any collaborations with these authors to read and weigh in. It's very common for papers to go back and forth a few times. So a reviewer might have some comments, some concerns. They might request extra data. They might request uh, a change of language in the discussion. It goes back and forth until it's accepted for publication. Then it goes through editing by the editor from the journal, although that's mostly just copy editing. But every once in a while, there can be, can you put a sentence in here for that, for this? And in this scientific article, there's no there's no use of the word paleo. There's no use of the word ketogenic. Um, there is, you know, a brief mention of uh, fat, you know, low carbohydrate, high fat, fad diets, um, but but not calling out any specific diets. And then, you know, in this is, you know, the detailed methodology that was used, including the ingredients of this of the control chow that the, you know, like control, right? The standard chow that the regular animals were fed and the low carbohydrate, high fat chow that this experimental group was fed that we're going to now bizarrely call paleo. Um, and so there's a, there's a really big difference between that, which is scientifically, right? goes through a huge process of, um, of sort of double checking and critical evaluation versus a press release, which is put together by, one or two people at a university and they'll like talk on the phone with the professor and then they'll kind of type up some of those quotes. I mean, maybe the quotes were given over email. Um, Whenever I've been asked to be quoted in a press release, there's been a uh, here's the press release. Is this, you know, is this okay with you as a senior author? So uh, he almost certainly had the ability to approve this press release and approve how he was quoted in it but there isn't that rigorous double checking so when they say you know um the mice were switched from a three percent fat diet to a 60 percent fat diet that also math doesn't check out with what's listed in the supplemental material their carbs reduced only 20 percent. yeah that math just doesn't work in any way whatsoever because the um i Unless they're trying to talk about, no, even if they're trying to talk about grams versus calories, it still doesn't work. We'll just ignore those two lines and just pretend they're not there. Because <laughs> well, I mean, to me as a reader, that leads a lot to credibility and my comprehension of things and that kind of stuff, right? So, um, so then the third question, of course, was nothing about quality was mentioned. And I want to reiterate that we've had many different... Um, podcasts on paleo as being defined simply as either lean meats, i.e. low fat, and also high fat keto and how we feel about that. I think the two biggest ones that come to my mind are you've already mentioned the keto episode. And we also did an entire podcast episode as a rebuttal to the um, Sally Fallon interview. Oh, the Weston A. Price Foundation. Yes. Yeah, it was the... Um, I didn't want to necessarily associate the foundation with... No, but it with, was an article that yes. Sally Fallon wrote for the yes. Watch Traditions newsletter. So, 
where based on that it is the West Nay Price Foundation's publication. And so I think in general, when people talk about paleo and they don't talk about food quality, that's a little concerning to me when it focuses on, you know, well, paleo is just, you know, lean meats. Or, or when they talk about just meat. I mean, I can't right. tell you, probably 70% of the articles that I read, and I, I've, I didn't read them all in detail. A lot of them are rehashing each other, but I certainly like flipped through them all. And um, 70% of them have their like cover story photo is a photo of meat or a person eating meat or a caveman and some meat. <sighs> like the other 30% are photos of a scientist with some mice. Like it's, it's like the two, the two, right. The two ways that we're going to graphically convey what this uh, media article is going to say but, you know, it manages to also misrepresent paleo as an all-meat diet. And even though that's not at all what these researchers are saying, they're, they're calling it a zero-carbohydrate diet. Since when? Um, <laughs> I don't – like, won't that kill you? I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that you need, like, a little bit. Like, even those people <laughs> that – are on the like 100% raw meat diet is don't they say that they like accidentally get carbohydrates through just like living in the modern world how how do you break that down to the general recommendation among all of these paleo people who have a bajillion vegetable recipes is zero carbohydrate okay so this is i just from so this was for, so the australian media is a tabloid style media so they there are um, very sensationalist and very, I mean, they make personal attacks. And um, and I am very, very thankful to live in a country that doesn't have mainstream media that is tabloid style, I think. Have, well, I have opinions anyways. Well, I think um, we have it. We just, it's separated from, you know. Yeah, we have certainly have tabloids here, but it's not like our mainstream media is tabloid style, right, compared to... Uh, the UK or to Australia, where even their mainstream, like the newspapers that you get every day are still tabloid style. Like it's, it's a very different media environment. And, um, and so from a series of articles that were lambasting paleo again, from about, I want to say like 10 months ago, 11 months ago, um, I was reading through them and I had done some rebuttals on social media way back then. And there was this quote, and I like, I don't, um, this might not be exact, but it was pretty darn close. Um, the paleo diet is a zero carbohydrate diet, which only allows meat, seafood, vegetables, fruit, eggs, and nuts. I was like, do you see the sentence of zero carbohydrate, and then you say vegetables and fruit and nuts, which all have carbohydrates in them. This like, is why people are confused. One sentence. It's, it's just, I mean, and I don't even know if the people who write these articles are being intentionally misleading or if they're just idiots. But it's like one of the two, clearly, because you either write that on purpose trying to misrepresent what paleo is to your audience or you're a moron if you don't recognize that vegetables fruit and nuts have carbohydrates in them like I, 
yeah, I just I just offended a whole pile of a whole pile of journalists, I'd think. But I don't think any of them listen to the show, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, we've probably got a couple, but those of you who are critically thinking, that obviously doesn't apply to you. Clearly. <laughs> okay. So, quality. Tell tell me how quality was handled here. So, here are the ingredients. I'm just gonna. I, we'll just go through a few because you're, you're just gonna love it. So, the ingredients of the low carbohydrate, high fat diet. Forty uh, percent of this diet was cocoa butter. So that's the fat from chocolate, um, which chocolate is definitely a paleo food. Um, the, but the fat from chocolate is unusually high in a saturated fat called palmitic acid, which is known in the scientific literature to um, harm uh, hypothalamic uh, sensitivity to leptin and insulin and thereby increase hunger. And uh, that was a fun fact that I learned from Rob Wolf's podcast probably two months into paleo. So this is something that at least Rob's been talking about for a while that, you know, if you eat a lot of chocolate, it can in actually increase your hunger. And this is one of the fats that's in cheese and is in um, grain fed, like conventionally produced beef that might be making portion control harder for people because it's a fat that's directly impacting the signaling in your brain and how your body responds to hunger hormones. So I just want to say that most people on a paleo diet are probably not opting to get 40% of their diet by weight in the form of dark chocolate. Um, and one of the reasons I mean, why, if the study had succeeded, <laughs> then, then that would be like, everyone give up the steak. It's all about the dark chocolate. Now. I would have been the first in line. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's I mean, I don't want to like vilify dark chocolate here. I think there's a really big difference between having an ounce of like 90 percent dark chocolate as a treat once in a while versus 40 percent by weight of our diet. Cocoa butter, which even like cuts out all of the, you know, antioxidants and, and minerals and vitamins and the things that are actually, you know, kind of appealing health promoting compounds in dark chocolate. So 40% by weight of cocoa butter, technically a paleo ingredient. The next highest ingredient, 20% by weight, uh, casein. How was, how okay. Right. Going. Okay. Casein, the... Uh, protein so, okay, wait, before, milk. Before you yes. go on, because we've talked about casein before, uh, and we know that that is n not a great protein that everyone does well on for like a myriad of reasons, not to mention the fact that there is significant scientific evidence that shows that the protein in dairy products, casein, is the... Uh, is a contributing factor to cancer cell growth, right? Yes. So it proves that there is cellular growth from casein. And even I, a layman person, you didn't see, I didn't read your article. Nope. I wanted to be didn't. able to say these sort of things randomly, right? So like, if I know that, how can this guy who led the study honestly say he was trying to prove that paleo is successful when A, casein isn't paleo, and B, there is scientific evidence to show that casein causes health problems and weight gain and cellular growth. 
So uh, casein has been linked to uh, a few different forms of cancer and inflammation. And it is, um, you know, this is the protein in milk that T. Colin Campbell actually bases his entire China study stuff on, like, why why meat is bad. It's like all of his studies are based on these casein studies. But there were other people who've done some really rigorous studies showing that casein, especially the casein that is in the typical cow's milk that we get in the grocery store, is inflammatory and, and linked to cancer. But that doesn't, like, let's just back up a second because that's, milk is one of those, we've talked about it before, that milk is kind of a gray area because there are other compounds in milk that are anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer like whey, which is another protein in milk. Um, but casein is the dominant protein in milk. And certainly, uh, you know, you can sort of say, well, milk as a whole food may work for some people. Casein is an isolated protein, you know, not so much. Um, and uh, certainly if you're going to call this diet paleo, you can't be using an isolated protein from dairy. Like, it's not. Paleo. Do you want to know that it gets worse? Yeah, I figured. I just, I, I'm going to like lose my train of thought and that's why I keep interrupting you and I'm sorry for the frustration. No, no, please. Listeners. Yes. Please. I, I, it doesn't frustrate me. Therefore, it should not frustrate any of our listeners. I think the back and forth is good. Okay. So uh, 10% by weight of the diet sucrose. So um, I don't I, like... Generally, I think paleo endorses more starchy carbs rather than sugary carbs, but this is a fairly small, right? We're talking about 6% of the calories, total carbohydrate. That's less than 10% added sugars. Like that part I don't have a big problem with. Um, But the next 10% by weight of this low-carb, high-fat diet, canola oil. Oh, that's so paleo. Warren Cordain <laughs> put that in his first book, okay? Mm-hmm. Just put these rats, mice, whatever, on a canola oil and Diet Coke diet, and that is paleo, my friends. Right. Just uh, canola oil. I'm just oil. kidding. When I say that about I'm, – yeah, I'm not no, actually and, kidding. When I, It's sarcasm, first and of all. In and my, in my blog post that is a rebuttal to this paper that has links to scientific – papers. Um, one of the things that I actually link to is an article from Lauren Cordain's website where he talks about why he originally supported canola oil and why he's retracted that support. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, I yeah. didn't mean to throw him under a bus because no, I know I he's mean, publicly it, come out and said that it's it was, not okay. It's just one of those things in the paleo community where I'm like, things change. Years ago, yeah. It was 15 years ago. Um, but no, I so Lauren Cordain no longer supports canola oil as part of the paleo diet um and um and and no i mean most people won't touch canola oil with a 10-foot pole um so that's not paleo um the other ingredients there's some um clarified butter fat um there's um some cellulose which is a type of fiber and then there's basically a bunch of vitamins and minerals that are the other ingredients of this diet so um there was like, like, yeah, two two ingredients that are kind of paleo, sort of a little bit, I guess. <laughs> that was it. That was I. So I mean, to me, I read this and and um, you know, I it for me, it sort of adds to 
the scientific body of evidence that I've been reading that makes me concerned about um, very high fat diets and what the um, potential long-term effects of those are. Um, it in no way represents the paleo diet. And yet the media is just, I, they're just so excited that they have this scientific paper that proves paleo is dangerous. And um, I just, I feel, I don't, do you ever feel like the media has an inherent bias against paleo? Do you think? I feel like the video clip that I saw of that Australian broadcaster, like she was so excited to lay the smack down. <laughs> it was cracking me up. I mean, I'm, I even I get that vibe from the articles that I'm reading, too. It's just like people are like they're like vibrating with excitement that finally there's the scientific paper to show them that they're right in their belief that paleo is insane. And um, and meanwhile, most of them clearly don't even understand what paleo is. But I think that I don't know if other dietary strategies. I mean, I'm sure the cabbage soup diet also gets some criticism in the, but I, I just, I, I feel like there's less criticism for like that lemon cayenne honey detox than there is for the paleo diet. I, I, yes. And I feel like other, you know, like uh, vegetarianism or veganism doesn't get this kind of attack in, in, the media like i just feel like you know if you say you're vegetarian or you're vegan and people go people just go oh okay and they they if they think you're crazy they keep it to themselves like they don't it's not um there's not these like uh you know oh well you're you know <laughs> you're going to die or whatever like these responses that are um really emotional and um i don't understand why where um where the specific animosity towards paleo compared to other, you know, alternative diets, other diets that are in that complementary, you know, medicine or, um, you know, they're sort of considered, you know, alternative healthy diets, right? So there's a lot of diets out there that are marketed as being healthy. Um, scientific evidence for them varies dramatically, um, and certainly. All of the ones that do have scientific evidence, like paleo, um, those are the ones that have like 90 to 95 percent similarity with each other. Right. So. Um, so what I don't understand is why paleo gets beaten up the way it does. And it would be one thing for me to have like we can have a conversation. Right. There's, I think, a lot of. um a lot of gray area within paleo that we can discuss, like, you know, does that need to be off limits? Like when you talk about something like dairy, um, you know, it's a gray area. And I think, you know, standard, standard protocol within the paleo movement is to cut it out initially and then try it and see how you do on it. But does that need to be standard protocol? Let's have a discussion about that. Maybe the standard protocol is Start a, start a lacto-paleo or primal diet first, and if that's not working for you, then try cutting out dairy, right? Like, we can have these conversations in a very grown-up and respectful way. I think that where where the science is not cut and dry is gr a great place to have conversations. Um, I, I don't know why paleo so consistently gets misrepresented. 
And I don't understand why it so consistently gets pulverized by the media. Like it's, it's, um, it's hard not to take it personally sometimes. It's not personal. I know, but I, so, okay. When you, I, as a scientist, it bugs me to see, especially a high quality study being completely misrepresented to fit an agenda. And even if that agenda came from the senior author on this study, like then I'm extra disappointed because I'm like, stick to what you know, buddy. Like it's not clearly not paleo. Um, You know, if it's, if it's true that that's where the initial um, like uh, attempt at creating relevance comes from, and maybe it's purely because it's been sensationalist and this paper probably never would have seen, you know, a meteor article without creating that sensationalism. Maybe uh, that's really oh, is that cynical and jaded of me to say it is pretty cynical and jaded of me to say. Um, but I feel like uh, it, it makes me angry to see science. It, and every time I see science being so misrepresented, I mean, it, was not that long ago that I got really worked up over those studies of the sleep habits of hunter gatherers be completely misrepresented in the media. And they were basically calling uh, sleep efficiency time, total sleep time. And so sleep efficiency time being completely care- comparable to good sleepers in Western countries of sleep efficiency being somewhere like, you know, seven hours and they were basically saying see you only need to spend seven hours in bed and if you're sleeping eight hours you're sleeping too long i'm like yeah but that's sleep efficiency that's after the the time of stage one sleep is taken off and that's after any kind of movement and like any light sleep all night is taken off that's after the time it takes you to fall asleep is taken off like these hunter gatherers are actually spending 10 hours a night in bed not seven like how we can just all of a sudden say that oh yeah you only need six and a half hours sleep based on these studies like that was science completely taken out of context in the media. And I really feel like, okay, I have a scientific background. I have a PhD in medical biophysics. I did academic research for four years. Um, I, I still don't feel like it's that hard to be able to read the truth in these papers. And yes, some of them use a lot of jargon. Um, yes, the technical details are are probably beyond most people. But if you are a science writer for the media, my expectation is that you have enough of a science background to be able to understand what you're reading, to be able to represent it accurately in a, a story that you write, like period. Otherwise, get a new job. I'm, re- I'm, I'm hulking out. I'm hulking out. Okay, so there's another aspect of this that I really want to talk about a little bit. And that is that there have started to be some responses from the paleo community to the media articles. And what they're doing is they're saying, it's a study done in mice. So it doesn't matter. And I think I've, I've probably talked about this before on the podcast. Um, but I've, I, and I certainly know that I've talked about it in other, in other forums, but um, you can't dismiss a study that contrasts with your beliefs 
because it's done in animals. Like animal studies are incredibly well validated strategies for understanding human health. Um, it's true that not every animal study is directly translatable to human health, but there's so much similarity between us and all mammals um, that we actually learn a tremendous amount from animal studies and sort of separate from the, you know, ethics issues here. Um, animal studies are um, spectacularly useful in terms of furthering uh, scientific understanding of human health and uh, especially mechanistic studies, which I believe, you know, this one that we've been talking about qualifies as. And what I see happen very, very frequently and more so in the last year than, than previously within the paleo community is this complete dismissal of, of science because it's not a randomized controlled clinical trial. And this, I think, this it's sort of an anti-science sentiment. And overall, I think it represents uh, basically a complete ignorance of, of science and the scientific method and how science is performed and how, uh, how our understanding of, of human health is advanced. And I think that it's a bad habit to be in to dismiss evidence that may contrast with our views. So whether it's a, a randomized controlled clinical trial or an epidemiological study or a mechanistic study done in animals, there's this um, there's this idea that if it doesn't prove what you've been saying all along, whatever that is, whatever topic we're talking about now, then it must be a poor quality study and we're going to find whatever the flaw is in that study and basically dismiss it. And I feel that that is um, a really horrible approach to um, what is supposed to be a science-founded template. And I think that, um, I think that, yes, it's awkward when science doesn't conform, new science doesn't conform to our beliefs based on previous science, but it's an opportunity then to go in and look at that new information and understand how it might be relevant. And I think that part of coming up with a set of guidelines for optimal choices for long-term human health, I think part of that is recognizing that we don't have all the answers and being open-minded to assimilating new information, even if it contrasts with with previous studies. And that doesn't mean you go, okay, one study comes in and there hasn't been one yet, but let's say the study had done a paleo diet, right? Let's see it. Let's say that the diet fed to the mice had been a, a great paleo diet and they had found, look, that here's this problem with, with paleo. Like it's responsible of us to look at that study objectively and figure out, you know, who does this apply to? What what are, what's the cautionary tale in this? How does this mesh with previous studies? What's the mechanism? What is the direction? What are the unanswered questions that we need to know? And maybe there's something actionable here now. Maybe this is just something to keep in mind. We wait for more science. It doesn't have to completely undermine the entire paleo movement because one study shows that there might be a problem. 
But that still doesn't mean that you can go on your merry way and just assume that it's bad science because it doesn't support paleo. And I think that it's really important as more science is performed and there's this call for more information, right? You know, I am you know often like this would be a great a great area for more study. Like when I talk about scientific papers, I always say like here's my next question. I hope somebody gets to study that. I'm not the only one who is putting out a call for more research on um, food and health, right? The, the, the how nutrition affects health. And, um, but that means that we have to take the results of the study. They're peer-reviewed studies. They're published in reputable journals. Like there is a lot of work that went into this. Like we have to look at that and go, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting, let me try to understand this. Let me try to integrate this information. Let me see how this changes things. I think that's really important to be dynamic. That's, I think, the big strength of the paleo diet is that it is based on science. It is based on our understanding of how various foods impact health. And that means it has to be flexible to accept new science, even if that new science is challenging because not expected. And so, um, and so I really don't like seeing, and this happens a lot. It's not just this paper. It happens frequently, this idea of dismissing a study because it's done in animals. Like if animal studies were irrelevant, we wouldn't do them. (laughs) They take a lot of time and, um, and a lot of financial resources. Like it just would not be something that would happen. And, um, And so I want to just sort of, I think, I I don't know if anybody listens to the show who is somebody with a science or, or, or medical background who writes information, but I would, I would encourage those people to maintain an open mind and to, um, to not jump to dismissing new information when it's challenging, but I would also um, you know, like to emphasize to our listeners that that is not something that I will ever do. So if there does come a study that says, hey, paleo is a problem, that, that doesn't mean I'm jumping ship, but that does, I mean, I am going to look at that study and give it my attention and try to reconcile it with everything else that I know. And that is what a scientist does. And, um, and that is something that I would like to see the paleo community do more of. I agree. I think that it's important for us to ask questions before jumping to conclusions. So I think that's kind of the uh, summary of your frustrations is that you see people just kind of jumping on the, well, there's obviously something wrong with the source material because it doesn't represent my personal experience. And, you know, there could be a variety of factors for why that is. And That's why for me personally, the first thing that I did walking away from the article was like, I've got questions (laughs) and things don't seem to be adding up. And I knew that you would look at the original source material to find that information. And I liken this to the Denise Manger response to the China study, which was the first really in-depth response that the paleo community had seen on some what appeared to be legit 
stuff being thrown at the community about it not being good for us, right? And it was a much more powerful statement and argument and response to actually give a factual-based, well-researched, scientific rebuttal that there were specific points and responses as to why the information that was used as the source material that was claiming these supposed health benefits of vegetarianism was actually, you know, cherry picked and not representative of of the truth and the facts. And that that changed the argument and the perspective completely. And since then, you have delivered, you know, numerous rebuttals on, on similar topics, as has, you know, Denise Minger wrote a book, which, um, was death, amazing. Death by Food Pyramid. Highly, highly recommend. One of my favorite books I ever read. I also feel like Liz Wolf did a lot of that mm-hmm. in um, her book. Eat the Oaks. Eat yeah. the Oaks. And so these kinds of things are what I feel like are the tools that I can put in my toolkit, the powerful you know, resources that I want to look into and absorb. And like, for example, Eat the Yolks was something that I read as an audiobook in the car. A year and a half after it came out. I mean, oh, wait, can you say you read it as an audiobook? Yeah, I'm not sure that sentence makes. What do you you say? I listened to it. Okay. Yeah, I listened to it. Um, but you my point being, the content of right, my point auditory being, signals. Yes, yeah. I had I had skimmed and flipped through the pages, and I knew kind of what it was because I'd read reviews of it or whatever, and I knew that um she was an amazing person. Like, not just like, hey, she's cool, but like, you know, I'd read a lot of her stuff before and and knew um, what her point was going to be with the book. But it wasn't until I actually read the book that I got so many of the in-depth points. And I could say that about any any of these resources. Right. So I think then when people come at came at me at the time, their biggest thing was like cholesterol. There was a period of time where everybody was like, well, what about all these egg yolks and red meat on paleo? You know, my cholesterol just can't support that. Then it was like, I was so well armed with material that was factual and scientific based on how to respond to that stuff. And I think that's, that's what we're asking. That's what you're asking. And I'm Mm -hmm. joining your bandwagon. Um, Asking people to do when we see these kinds of things, both positive or negative, like, you know, if, if you see people making claims about what paleo can do, that's not the same kind of thing as there has been medical research to prove that it can reverse type 1 diabetes, for example, right? Like someone saying my son had type 1 diabetes, went paleo, and it got reversed isn't the same thing as paleo can and will re- reverse type 1 diabetes for everybody because it won't. Right. Um well, I won't say that it won't. I it's it's not for me. There's to say. no scientific evidence right. to support Thank that you. it will. <laughs> so that's those are the kinds of things that I think it's you know both from a positive and a negative perspective. When I read these sort of things, I think to myself, you know, is there links to the evidence that I can go back to and actually read the source material? And in this case, there wasn't, which is why I was like, oh, I'm just going to wait because Sarah's going to figure it out. Um, <laughs> And one of the and one of the first questions that I had was, what are the mice getting, and in what percentage? Because the math wasn't working out, and it didn't tell me what they were eating. And even just in you know knowing what I know, you telling me that there was casein involved makes me say, nope, this is not. I <laughs> I'm literally just throwing this out and saying that it's not the same because nobody in paleo casein, is consuming canola oil and forty percent by weight of a high palmitic <laughs> acid fat. 
Like, I mean, that's not a diet that I think anybody would recommend. Well, okay, I won't won't go that far. Yeah. Um, But but not, certainly not. I think everybody in the paleo community would look at that and say that's not what their diet is, right? So, and these people are not already predisposed for... Like basing your entire scientific article on a breed of mice that is already predisposed to have these problems doesn't exactly set the standard for general American population either. So that's what I have to say about that. Hey, did you know that the paleo diet has actually been validated to outbeat the American Diabetes Association's dietary recommendations in terms of glucose control and lipid profiles in diabetics in two different scientific studies by two different labs? How can that be? Because the guy said in this article, didn't I read you the quote, there's no scientific evidence to support that the paleo diet works for anything. Well, he said low-carb, high-fat diets. (laughs) That's true. He's Well, what he said was... He's just including that as paleo. He said... These diets, diets. which the media then defined as paleo, right? So I think he kind of partially defined as paleo. He probably interviewed for the public relations person for the university and they were probably like, give me an example. And then he probably said, oh, it's like paleo. And then the person probably said, well, what do you think of people like Chef Pete Evans who promotes paleo all over Australian TV? And he probably said something not nice. And then it kind of all got written up the way it did. And um, I just want to say to like Chef Pete Evans, um, by the way, amazing eyes. That's totally not relevant to what I was about to say. Um, you know, he deals with the a very, very aggressive media. And he is the butt of their attacks far too frequently because he's such a high profile um, you know, visible person in Australia with this media that is very anti-paleo, surprisingly, and probably the country where the paleo diet is the most popular. There's, I mean, I think there's probably more people in Australia following paleo than there are in uh, the United States of America, despite Australia having a, a, a smaller population. Like, it's huge there. and um, And maybe that's where... That's where the aggression, the aggression comes from. But um, Chef Pete Evans gets attacked so frequently in the media, and I don't know how I would handle that. And he handles it with grace. And I just want to say, like, shout out, because I would not trade shoes with him at ever. Not, nope, not going to happen. He can keep those shoes. All right. Um, I'm going to call it a wrap. Do you have a summary other than the, hey, think critically message that you want to put here? <laughs> well, I think that, you know, part of what I want to say is it's important to think critically. Um, part of what I want to say is I think that there's a way that we can, as a community, um, discourage such aggressive attacks in part by putting our support behind rebuttals, behind the people who are being attacked, behind, you know, commenting on these studies, but in in a measured way. So when these when these media articles are so emotional, I personally think the best response is something very measured and very logical. And um 
And I think that, you know, I, I would encourage people as a community to engage, um, but, but keep it mature <laughs> and respectful and, um, and demonstrate just how much support um, this community really has. I think that's a really important thing. And then when you do see media articles like this, try not to take it as personally as I did, because that's not good for anybody. Um, and, um, and, uh, stay true to what, you know, which we're all finding out, right? That's what all of our individual journeys is about, is about finding that line between what is optimal for our bodies and what our bodies will tolerate and living in between and wherever on the, you know, shades of paleo spectrum that falls, you know, embrace it and be true to it. Awesome. Well, it was fun listening to you be on a soapbox and hulk out. It's usually my um, shtick. It's, it's been a while since I've gotten so worked up over a topic. Hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I got, I got worked up. What can I say? I feel awesome. better now. Does that help? I, yes. I yeah. hope so. I mean, I hope it helps so. you, but I know that it'll help other people. There's already been a flurry of, I can't wait to get more information on this on the internet. Um, because you told me earlier today that you wanted to talk about something that happened in the media. And then I saw it come up in, you know, my feed and information that, you know, was going on in the paleo community. I was like, is this it? And you were like, yep. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's it's already the thing going on. It's already going around. So hey, hopefully... everyone needs to be really proud of me for being so on top of things that I got a really thorough response out so quickly. I'm impressed for sure. It has to do with obsession. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I know it wasn't a usual platform, but there was plenty of science and questions answered nonetheless. Um, I particularly love the freeform shows that we do. So if you love this show too, don't forget to tell your friends, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, stand on the street corner, spinning a sign, whatever you comment, need to do. Comment on the show notes on our website. And social media. Share the links in your Facebook feed, anything like that. I also want to thank the people who came out to the event at the Organic Butcher this week. And Sarah, I would be remiss to tell you that quite a few people told me to tell you hello and that they love listening to the show. Um, Hey, all you people. So there's that. Maybe next time I'll have to fly out for it. To hang out at the butcher? Is that all it takes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Awesome. Well, have a wonderful week, everyone. And of course, we will be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Hello. I can't remember the last time I had to do homework for a podcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.